Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend of mine asked if I would record myself reading one of my novels as something they would find comforting and familiar in the midst of the uncertainty and anxiety of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll be reading to you from Perishables, the first book in my five-book urban fantasy and vampire series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka FalstaffBooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, slash Perishables link. That goes to Amazon. Thanks. Okay, well, let's get back to it with this staycation week of social distance and radios. Come on, reading wine. Yep, two sips. That's what I needed. Those are definitely sips, not you know gulps or chugs. Anyway, let's get right back in with episode twenty-one. This is, gosh, we're nearly done with uh, part three of Perishables, The Doorbusters. I don't think we're finishing this time, but we'll finish this week. Talking to humans when time is all sped up is hard as hell and twice as annoying, so I let myself slow down until things were more or less one-to-one. I placed both hands on the chest of a middle-aged NASCAR dad who told me he was here to buy some video game thing for his kids, picked him up by his own flesh, and swung him back and forth, once right, once left, once right again, to sweep several zombies out of the way and push them back. Things get dull back in the storeroom. Jennifer was too busy swinging to answer. Her jaw was set just like before, just like when a helpful kid and phone lady first ran mad eyes around their environment as though they'd never seen with flesh, and her pupils were tiny and fixed directly ahead of her. Her arms were stiffer than they ought to be, and her knuckles were solid white. I could tell she was holding her breath. Shock is one of the many afflictions I know well in human beings, and she was on the very edge of slipping into it, halfway executing some long-imagined plan for next time, and halfway trapped all over again in the moment that carried off some part of her sanity in the first place, fighting like wild, pummeling strange men and women like she was beaten on the bones of memory itself. I didn't even consider stopping her, because it was way too useful. NASCAR dad tried to claw at me with fingers half-clenched, and he was much stronger than his doughy exterior would suggest, but his nails just barely slipped off my naturally tough skin after almost catching. His flesh was hot, red-hot, like an iron left on or a radiator set too high. There were so many of them, and that part of me that has eternal survival as its only priority was fighting out of the simple desire not to have these monsters hold me down and sit on me until the sun rose outside, nonsensical though they might have seemed had I said it aloud. A couple more sweeps of his body as he kicked his feet, and a few more sick thuds of aluminum bat against flesh were enough to clear the field between Jennifer and me. Her back kept swinging as her eyes searched for a target. I twisted to throw NASCAR data through the air, over smiles. My intention was to use him to knock over a few more, but there weren't any standing right there. Smiles had his back arched and his teeth bared, but the zombies were all starting to fall still and just wait, watching us. I spun back around, and the ones I would have gone after next had backed off, too. They were choosing not to fight me. 
they were turning to focus on Jennifer. Jennifer, I said, but she wasn't listening. She was just swinging at the already fallen, beating the beaten, while her fresher foes regrouped and retargeted. I clicked my cheeks and smiles spun to join me. With two steps, I closed the gap between Jennifer and myself, caught her bat in one hand and shook her shoulder with the other. Jennifer. She blinked, her pupils shuddered, and she caught herself. What did you say? Did it get too boring in the back or something? Her eyelids drooped. No. Oh. Zombies were squirming atop one another, trying to get back up all around us, and the ones still standing were flowing around it to try to close off Jennifer's egress. I wrapped one arm around her waist. Time to get some space. I squatted, pushed, and the two of us leapt like a shot from an artillery gun, coming down hard, 40 feet away on a sturdy unit designed to display kitchen stools and cut away diagonals of other furniture. I kicked them off, all but one, and set Jennifer down. She had remained silent when I'd expected her to scream or cry out, or maybe even shout with joy when we leapt so far from a standing start. Smiles had to cross the distance on the floor, but it was no trouble for him to get up to us in a couple of impossibly long bounds. Jennifer ran a hand through her must hair, <clears throat> then sat down on the remaining stool. We were easily a dozen feet above the ground, but she didn't seem to notice or care. I got her to look at me and asked, Are you okay? Have you been bitten? She shook her head vaguely, and a quick glance confirmed that she seemed clear. I spoke again before she could fade out. How bad was it in there? I don't know. Uh, one got in, but she didn't attack anyone until after I'd locked the doors. She waited. She waited until I'd locked us in. I was still standing there waiting to see if anyone knocked. I let myself back out to get away and heard you fighting, so I came to help. She swallowed dry air, her throat working to get it down. Did you call the police? She was starting to stare off into space, and I couldn't afford to have her slip into shock so fast. I snapped my fingers in front of her and made her look at me again. Did you call the police? No, no chance. I, uh, I locked the doors, and then she was attacking people, and I came back out and started swinging at the first thing I saw. She let out a rocky, uneven sigh. I'm sorry. I smirked. Don't be. I think I've joined your team now. I say we kill everything we can. We just have to work out a way to separate enough of them at a time to avoid getting overwhelmed. Divide and conquer. Easy peasy. Jennifer smiled, and it was the saddest twist of a mouth I'd seen in decades. Do you think we can fight them all? You saw me down there. I'm as good as five men, and with you that makes half a dozen. I think we're going to be fine as long as we're careful and observant. <clears throat> Smiles chose that moment to bark once, a sharp shot of warning. Jennifer and I both looked down. We were surrounded on all sides by the horde, many of them battered and bruised, some bleeding, some hobbling on broken legs or letting broken arms hang at their sides. Helpful kid was even down there, arms limp. Somehow he'd managed to get his feet under him and run around with the rest. They were standing there in silence except for their breathing. Every face was turned up, eyes on us, expressions blank. Thirty-five of them pressed close in the aisles on either side and clustered at the ends, like fans at a rock concert, only perfectly still. Lips moved all over the crowd, as though one voice were jumping from mouth to mouth. It said three words. 
What are you? I don't understand. Her voice wasn't shaken, but Jennifer was quiet. She had tremendous emotional control. I had screamed like a child minutes earlier when they first spoke, but she hadn't now when they were clearly and indisputably communicating. It occurred to me how exhausting it must be for her to maintain that mask all the time. Anger was probably the only emotion she let herself show, and only then for its power to drive people away. Vampires do it all the time. We become the irascible old neighbor everyone avoids, the mean lady in the apartment upstairs, the punk with all the Pearsons who chain smokes outside the gas station like he's daring somebody to say hello. It can be terribly lonely. A human might have had any number of reactions to her. Pity, annoyance, dismissal, empathy. As a vampire, all I felt was respect. They aren't talking to you, I said. There was a long silence, and then again she broke it. Are you going to answer them? I licked my lips and looked down. Smiles was standing next to me, his tail up, his ears down. He wasn't growling, but he was watching them closely, his eyes shifting from one to another as he tried to protect me from all of them at once. No, I said, but I'm willing to answer you. This is as close to later as we might get. That seems like a great place to end also, so I'm going to end there. Um, let's come back tomorrow, and it's possible we'll be finishing this out. I don't know. We'll see. So, anyway, I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. The theme music is Plucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons attribution license at ccmixter.org.